In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. It's all about the meals, according to New Testament scholar Robert Karras. In his book, Eating Your Way Through Luke's Gospel, yes, there really is a book of that title, he points out that Jesus almost always seems to be either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. And in the gospel we just heard, Jesus is at a meal and teaching about a meal. A meal that challenges the dominant dinnertime expectations and rules. His parable here in the 14th chapter of Luke echoes Mary's song, like like mother like son, right? From the beginning of Luke, which says, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, he has filled the hungry with good things. These are fighting words. In Luke's gospel, Karis famously wrote, Jesus got killed for the way that he ate. Now, even without the guest who famously challenged the seating chart and the invitation list, we already know that meals can be a dangerous business. What's your memory of a scary meal? Pause and think about that for a second. Was it the first time you met your partner's parents? The place setting that had more forks than you knew what to do with? The meal that served a weird looking food you'd never eaten before? When my husband and I lived in Central America, our neighbors were always gracious to invite us to meals even when they had so very little food to share. Talk about radical hospitality. So I asked my husband John sometime about the red beans that had been cooked with an unintended splash of diesel oil. In a company where food was not, in a country where food was not abundant, you don't waste a pot of beans just because there's truck fuel in them. Myself, I remember the first time I was handed a brimming full cup of warm sugary juice with some fuzzy fruit seeds floating around in it. I later learned that in the Nicaraguan village I was visiting, that was a special drink reserved for the honored guests. But at the time, all I could really see was a cup full of microbes and parasites. I looked around, wondering if there were a discreet way to dispose of it. There wasn't. So I gamely lifted my cup to the host and drank. As I anticipated, I did get sick. That time and many others. And I got very familiar with the side effects of metronidazole, an antiparasitic medicine that I'm guessing the backpackers in the congregation have heard of. It is not for the faint of heart. But I got better, and more significantly, I got to make friends. It matters what we eat and who we eat with. It matters for our physical health, certainly, but in Jesus' world, meals were even more significant for the health of the community. Meals make us friends or enemies. They have the power to reinforce or to undermine the social order. They can be sacred, 
and they can be scary. So here's what you do. You sit down in the seat of the humble and you invite the outcast to your party. Follow these rules and you'll make all the wrong sorts of friends. You'll learn about the breadth and resilience of human community. You'll eat some really weird food. And if you take Jesus at his word, you'll get a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Here at Trinity, I'd venture to say that we do a pretty good job of upsetting the seating chart. I think of our Wednesday noon community meals where our most food insecure Portland neighbors occupy the seat of honor. Are fed nourishing multi-course meals and hear live music played by talented Trinitarians. Your generosity makes you a host at those meals, but did you know that you were invited to eat at it as well? Come, share lunch with our guests on Wednesday, and you'll learn so much about human resilience, about loss and coping, hunger and satisfaction. I think of our posada and our Diaz de Bienvenida, where Spanish-speaking Episcopalians from around Portland bring their favorite meals here to Trinity to share with us. You are invited. I think of our Sojourner's Meal groups gathering all over town. You are invited to sign up for such a group. In fact, this very next week at our Connected at the Commons Welcome Back event. Today's gospel has something to say to those of us who think of ourselves as hosts, those who have a choice about where we sit or who we invite. Here's the answer. Choose humility and hospitality. But the gospel also has good news for those of us who feel like we're never invited. If you're feeling lonely or poor, go ahead and invite the lonelier or the poorer. If you're hungry, come to where there's food enough for the body as well as the mind and soul. You can get all that and more on the Wednesday evenings here that start up in just a little over a week. Whether we happen to identify with the host or the guests in these parables, we can and should still be brave to show up where we're not on the guest list. Eat at a food truck that's new and scrappy rather than a restaurant that's established and trendy. Put yourself where people speak a different language. Take public transportation where we usually, if we usually drive. Live in a neighborhood where people don't mow their lawns. We could even go to a church that worships in a way we don't understand. Forget that idea. But you see what I'm getting at, no? Jesus really wants us all to be at God's banquet, and he's willing to go to dangerous lengths to get us there. Whether we're the inviter, the invited, or even the uninvited, it doesn't really matter where we think we fit into the mealtime hierarchy. God's party just won't be complete until everyone is at the table. In our current climate of mistrust, getting us all there may take a while, but in the meantime, we can practice. In fact, 
This right here is our practice banquet. When we gather on Sundays, we worship God in word, that's the lessons in the sermon, and in sacrament. That's the bread and the wine, recalling the Last Supper, which is likely to have been a symposium meal. Remember Plato? In the Greco-Roman culture of Jesus' followers, festive meals were considered to be nourishment for mind as well as body. People, women as well as men, came to eat, drink, and engage in conversation, learned conversation even. So it's no surprise to find Jesus teaching about a meal or within the context of a meal in his name. That's what we're doing still. This Sunday, I hope you come away well-fed, but maybe a little scared by the power of the meal. I've been here a few years now, so I know you. <laughs> I know that some of you have come to Trinity this morning because you have such an abundance that you can't help but want to share it. I also know that some of you are hungry, hungry for food, for learning, for friends. We have a feast for you. Some of you this very day are eating the bread of sorrow. We have prayer for you in the chapel after communion. Some of you are wondering if you're sitting in the right seat. I gather that's quite competitive around here. And some of you are wondering what the heck you're doing here at all. Truth to tell, that's actually true for all of us. We really don't know what we're getting at this meal. The food we thought we came looking for may just be the appetizer. Perhaps you came here looking for hopeful words and you end up with the very word of God. Maybe you came looking for some spiritual sustenance and you end up with the real presence of Christ among us. The good news is, it doesn't really matter what you've come for or who you are or where you sit at this banquet. You are welcome and you are needed. Friends, squeeze in, move down a seat, make room for the next honored guest. Without knowing it, you might just be entertaining an angel. Amen.